for episode 168 on the 2nd of September 2011. James, welcome back to the couch. Ian, welcome back to the couch too. I won't say it twice, but uh, there we go. So uh, here we are on the couch and we're going to be talking about the world of digital media and entertainment and weird shit as well. Absolutely. So we do have some some themes though, don't we? We do. We're going to talk about what's happening in uh, business news in the world of broadcast. A bit of technology Mm -hmm. action, uh, new technologies, things that are coming up, things that might affect how we do business. Content Mm -hmm. delivery, how we send content around, how we move it about, how we consume it. Yep, um, pretty quiet on the mobile front. Um, mm-hmm. We do games, and we have always that amazing other category, which is worth hanging on those 25 minutes or so just to catch, because there's always something wacky there. And uh, there's nice show notes. If you go to www.onthecouchpodcast.com, you can pick up the show notes uh, and do give us give us a review on iTunes or um, send in anything you like to feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. I thought we were going to have a little business chat. Um, about IBC, we were trying to think about the International Broadcasting Convention conference yeah, that's happening f- next week. Fantastic idea! Um, so we got IBC coming up next year, next week. It's the biggest broadcast show in Europe, I think it's fair to say. And I'm not going to be going there for the first time in about seven years. I think no, you must is, have um, IBC withdrawals, withdrawal symptoms. Um, well, surely. I'm kind of, I'm kind of not that bothered. <laughs> It'd be interesting actually to see it mm-hmm. from the outside. Actually, yes. I think to, to to review the news stories. I haven't had that chance to do that and often uh-huh. you can get a kind of a broader view and obviously we're all probably yeah, getting sure. the fire I mean, with emails from the PR releases chatting to our out. fabulous customers but uh, yeah. you'll be able to kind of look at it and see what's going on so what, what's your predictions for IBC what do you think we'll see this year last year was really 3D was the kind of me too I can do 3D what do you think it's going to be well, I think year? it's going to be publish everywhere ah. I think it's get onto all these devices I think that's going right. to be the um, the big thing about okay. getting your getting okay. your content mm-hmm. everywhere Seamless workflow, all that kind of stuff. I think that's um, mm, interesting. So you can produce your content, and then have it deli- you know delivered, delivered on your content delivery platform to all different sorts. Yeah, the mm, kind of the martini promise, you know, anytime, any place, anywhere, yeah. kind of thing. Um, but probably nice. there is a, there's always the little beach thing you can go to at, uh, at IBC. I shall yeah, miss the parties, a- obviously, but <laughs> I'm sure you will, uh, as ever, Ian, you will be doing your piece for parties. I will, I will. I'll, I'll be yes. participating as, as is expected. And, uh, uh-huh. yeah, well, I mean, you know what's like, James? It's great. It's a great time. Good to catch up with everyone. Uh, great to see what's happening in the industry. Talk to you know, customers. But after five days of standing on your feet and late, late nights, all night. it's yes. quite exhausting. So um, Quite exhausting. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to keep my powder dry for... CS, which is okay. um, interesting. And also on the consumer front, there's also uh, the IFA show in Berlin, which is one of the strange sort of cadence of consumer cycles. This is where products mm-hmm. are typically launched, which will be in the shops, not this coming holiday season, but the following one. Right. Um, so this is where the orders are placed. So that's going to be interesting. I've already seen a mm-hmm. story coming out of, about that, which I'll share with you in content delivery, but let's move on. Exciting. So in technology, James, we've got uh, a company called NeuroSky. And uh, according yeah. to this press release, they've got a brain computer interface. Tell me about that. Yes. What, what's going well, on they, I've actually been to see these guys. Actually, They do actually oh, have, wow. a, okay. um, they have, a, have a brain computer interface, which is no sort of biggie. But the main <laughs> thing is it doesn't right. involve kind of penetrating your skull so they have a kind of non non-invasive and also you don't have to put any wacky sticky gel on you right. know um, 
um, if you've had an oh, e- really? ECG or an, or an EEG, they have to stick yeah. these funny pads on you. But mm-hmm. they've got some silicon smarts which enable them to put a you still have to wear some kind of headsetty kind of thing uh-huh. um or in fact they've got one which looks like a set of headphones and you mm-hmm. wipe it on and it and basically it has it's an eight channel very sensitive uh analog digital kind mm-hmm. of thingy which then does some smart processing and allegedly they can determine if you're kind of relaxed or you're concentrating um and they've kind of linked that in with the TV because a lot of this stuff seems to be focused on sort of edutainment. Um, there mm-hmm. are some wacky kind of, you may have seen some games by Mattel and others where you can use right. the force to levitate stuff and <laughs> right. uh, mind control and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But I think the focus of this TV, which is from Hire, that um, well-known Chinese consumer brand, right. um, is aimed at kids who have kind of attention deficit, I think. So it's okay. kind of got some games right. built in I think so it helps it's adults with meditation in order to relieve stress um, and control their mental states. You know, if, if the more the kids concentrate, you can make virtual objects levitate. And I mean, when I put it on, the guy said, "Oh, have you done some meditation classes?" I just said, "No, I'm just very bored." No, um, <laughs> that was the. <laughs> no, it wasn't true. Uh, I'm sorry, Nick, if you're listening. Um, no, it's just you. You. It can basically interpret lots of different things. I've seen some other cool stuff where they can tell which color lights you're looking at or they have lights that flash right and they flash at discrete uh like 10 hertz 8 hertz 12 hertz 16 hertz now mm-hmm. obviously well, by the time that gets to our brain neurological processing bits yes. we can't tell the difference they just look like flashing lights or still lights in fact um but this thing can determine by analyzing your mm-hmm. brain waves that your brain actually knows which the lights are flashing at different frequencies oh um, wow, that's interesting so you know it's stuff like that yeah, it's quite mm, interesting mm, very um, cool. now we've got now, more technology on on computer and and brains really so we've got an effort by IBM to create a uh, computer chip that acts a bit like a human brain well we mean it's kind of random and impulsive um, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> right I have some chips like that and I, I normally chuck them out that's and it. driven by hormones to do crazy things <laughs> Um, right. So I don't think it works like that, but uh, yeah, I guess it's it's. Uh, you know, what, what is this banging on about? Is it kind of the chip's so powerful it is like a brain on a chip? Well, it's a. It's um, got ten billion neurons and one hundred trillion. No, no. The goal is to create a brain-like ten billion neuron, one hundred trillion synapse cognitive computer with comparable size and power consum- power consumption to the human brain. <laughs> it's going to mm. take it some runs on a banana for a week. Yeah, cornflakes, <laughs> banana, and a couple of beers, and it's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, now, James, I was just reading this article, and uh, now this is this is actually that's what they're aiming for, right? But where they've got to, where they've got to, uh, is that they've now got a chip that uh, can recognise the number seven by looking <laughs> at the number seven and, and it then, can play and then says give me a beer give me a beer <laughs> <laughs> and it can play against a human in the game of pong so wow, that's, there we go. that's where so, we're at um, right? <laughs> pong and the number seven so so yeah don't uh, skynet hasn't quite arrived yet folks that's um, right so it's got actually 256 neurons which is slightly mm-hmm. short of the 10 billion neurons that we're aiming for but it's a good start, right? So, um, I mean, it's probably, probably you know, almost as smart as maybe uh, a, a, like a, a gnat or but a But all the movies, they have, these, they have these movies where, you know, they, they, some mad scientist assembles a whole group of these things. 
and then well, exactly, the speed yeah. of learning they just crank up the clock speed and they become incredibly fast learners and you know within 10 mm-hmm. within a minute they mm-hmm. uh, exceed the the uh, processing power of the whole planet Mm. Um, so yeah I think we can probably still sleep I think I think probably. we're safe um, well, what I did find was interesting is that once they've got this going the, the theory is that, that it actually will have a very slow clock speed as in you know the current processes mm. run at 2 or 3 gigahertz uh, this, the clock speed of this little baby will be 10 hertz and that's that makes sense because our brains actually move very very slowly but it's like the information paths are so wide that you know one one second or 200 milliseconds in brain time you can actually do a chunk through a whole ton of calculations but yeah, it's super parallel i guess yeah exactly yeah. exactly very interesting james well let's keep an eye on that uh, mm. so when when i have my own brain okay. chip then uh be very cool <laughs> and i guess on the kind of again one of these kind of technology will the machines will rise up and, and eat us um mm-hmm. iq engine is a company which i've come across which looks quite interesting that are doing mm-hmm. kind of machine learning and machine vision so they're mm-hmm. using so what, what does that uh, do uh well basically it's, it's quite cool actually you can go to their website and you can mm-hmm. um we've in the show notes there's a link to a video on vimeo but um if you go to their website iqengine.com i think it is yep. uh, there's a web-based demo where you can use your webcam to show it any object or anything uh-huh. and then it and then it will identify it and come back to you with what it is um now it's not it's not amazingly magic uh uh-huh. if the machine le- machine learning cannot work out what it is mm-hmm. it then farms out the image to a bunch of mechanical turk type people <laughs> so it, that's cool it, that, that, it, that reminds me of uh, a book called rainbow's end james so yeah, that sounds exactly it, yeah. the kind of boundary between computer learning computer thinking and people is kind of being blurred that's very interesting yeah, cool, very cool very yeah cool. so then it farms it out to to um a crowdsource who will come back with an answer and it, you know, it may take mm. 10 seconds and it says mm. up to a minute but then once it's got that information it will then allegedly the, the learning it'll function learn. will build ah, up see, that's very will cool. build up more of a 3D model and so it'll know very next cool. time but it, I found it the web demo is a bit sort of generic um, right it'll, you know it kind of I, I showed it as an alarm clock and it said oh it said alarm clock I was expecting it to come back with, you know, if you want it to come back with a link to where you can buy it and where it was made and stuff like that, you, you've got to presumably pay a bit more than just a free webcam demo. But, um, you know, it's getting there. Um, that's cool, though. That's, that's pretty that's impressive. That's run out of UC Berkeley. And there's an API that anyone can sign up for and use and mm-hmm. put it into stuff. So Wow, cool. Very good. Very interesting. Um, so technology moves on. Quite it a big does. technology yeah, section absolutely, this week. Absolutely. But it's a real brain episode, this one, James. Yeah, well, um, let's... Uh, let's move on to dumb content um <laughs> the, the interesting article here is uh, stars have pulled their content from netflix now it would seem odd to me to uh, on first reading that stars would be supplying uh, i don't know i thought they'd need to have original content that they're supplying to netflix but in fact stars own uh, quite a deal oh. of first run content from a couple of the major studios so uh, that's that's what's going on yeah and as a kind of netflix streaming subscriber mm-hmm. i'm not sure i'll miss them i rarely watch movies on netflix to be honest because they're just mm-hmm. the movies aren't very good they're kind of yeah, yeah the video quality movies. Is not so great is it um and in fact um reed hastings the ceo of netflix has had a kind of riposte to this already and said look he's not that bothered about losing stars mm-hmm. uh, there's plenty of other fish in the sea for this um this this movie mm-hmm. interesting interesting which is which is kind of true mm. um i mean the, the, i guess so, the point here is that the more they lose the less or well, the more bargaining power anyone else that's supplying them content has 
is like when they've got half a dozen content suppliers, they'd be like, yeah, if we lose you, we don't care. Once it's down to five or four or three, yeah, it becomes a little more difficult. Yeah, I think they, they can do lots of little deals. And, and I think the big thing is the rates change today for Netflix where they're suddenly charging the That's same right. for streaming. Yeah. And if you want package mm-hmm. media delivery, you'll pay the same again. Pay a lot more, yeah. So, so is it so obviously trying to force people, everyone to go on to streaming, uh, streaming content? Yeah, which they kind of did before, but I mean, the content just isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's good enough. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I watch quite a lot of um, Netflix. In fact, most of the stuff I watch is on Netflix. So um, yeah, but that's because I've got very eclectic taste. Clearly, so um, <laughs> if you say so, James. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, um, I guess, harking back to Efa, I don't know if you've seen the story yet. In um, uh, Vestel, that uh, well-known, it's not well, it's not very well-known, but it's a Turkish uh, TV and set-top box manufacturer, right. has launched a BitTorrent certified TV. Mm, or someone was TV. talking about that today, and we were going, "How does that work? How does what is a BitTorrent certified TV?" Well, I guess it? you can search for stuff on BitTorrent and download it and watch it. I would think. <laughs> I don't know about the um, yeah. the certified part, but uh. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. There's something slightly um, yeah ironic Wrong. about <laughs> yeah. I was gonna uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so your television is going. I mean, I have a so I have a uh, multi hard disk NAS network storage device, network mm. storage device. I guess you would say that uh, that I use for storing stuff, obviously. And that has a web-based bit client, BitTorrent client. Correct. As well, so you can it? say, go and torrent this thing, and it'll go and Google away in the background. But you have to it give off. it a you have to give it a torrent torrent link, presumably. You do. Yes. Um, well, I mean, obviously, neither you or I are familiar with how this works. I have no um, idea how it works, but, but presumably that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And but that and so fine. So you know, let's say I wanted to download the latest copy of Linux or something, then I could point it at a torrent, and it could Google away in the background. Pull yeah. It why away. would you need a, a new current a new copy of Linux on your TV? That's what I don't understand. I don't know. What, the, um, what would you put on the? That's funny. I don't know. Anyway, it quite works. Listener, right? what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Send us some feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Um, but that seems a bit I'm not sure I think the the customs police will be on that like a shot at EFA. there'll be raids oh, I think that'll be really interesting yeah. yes very, very true the show, now show I mean, while we're talking about content and being pulled content uh, something I noticed just briefly was that the Financial Times have pulled their app from the iPad and iPhone app stores uh, yes yeah, so, they well they've basically uh, gone all HTML5 haven't they they're, yeah. they're unhappy with the uh the deal that the app store has where you have to um, share your revenue of any subscriptions with um, the good old Apple monolith. Um, yep. And so and, uh, we uh, want 30% yeah. of the revenue and FT has said, I don't think so, Tim, let's uh, keep that all to ourselves. So mm. yeah, now apparently the HTML5 app, I haven't seen James, maybe you can comment, looks pretty similar to the actual uh, iPad app anyway. So maybe it's no big loss. Yeah, I mean, I, there are quite a few, you know, like the blog sites and stuff like that, which have HTML5, they do browser detect. I think mm-hmm. there's not a great loss, as long as you've got good connectivity. Ah, uh, well, that's really, a trick, isn't it? You know, I mean, that, I, I would be, uh, I mean, that's something that I struggle with slightly. This is if you can get your content onto your iPad and then walk away, and you don't have to worry about, mm-hmm. you know, being connected all the time. Cause but then, you know, part of HTML5 does, as far as I know, you can have app or web page databases so you can uh-huh. actually get all your content and put it into the app and use it offline as well but it obviously has to be a, a better designed HTML5 app and while the Correct. authoring workflow for HTML5 is not as simple as mm-hmm. uh, you know the tools just aren't there yeah. I guess to you have to a pretty good design to cache all your stuff in an offline database but I mean I've been looking in my 
on my iPad looking at the mm. um, the settings for Safari right. and there are app databases there and you can look actually look at them it's kind of if you look where the cookies you know when you delete your cookies yeah. you can see which apps are storing stuff and they can store not gigabytes but you know there's up to I think it's like 200 megabytes per app per, per page so they can store a lot of stuff well it sounds pretty good you could yeah you could definitely you could definitely do um, you know a good few pages of, uh, of text content with it will and hmm. truly but I think that's one of the other problems is you know mm. HTML5 is, isn't yet standardized so mm. you're, unless you're going you know, device specific mm. um, you have to cover a few bases so mm. yeah, but you know very possible um, right. right. Uh, mobile news, really, James? Because uh, oh, that was mobile, was it? it was, okay. Yeah, we used it. Have you? Um, I guess you know, segueing into gaming. Have you been playing any games on your devices recently that um, have got you going? Uh, nothing, nothing particularly game worthy of note of yeah. late. Other than the I fact must that, admit, I-, um, I was noting that some of the. Uh, there's a big kind of uh, pull at the moment from uh, pulling out of Android and going back into the kind of iPhone uh, really? ecosystem. Uh, there seems to be so many apps now on in the uh, in the Android store and the uh, Amazon App Store that it's difficult for developers to get any sort of take up on those. And there's a big distinction between free apps, mm. uh, which everyone expects the apps to be on the Android side and people seem to want to be able to pay more if it's on the iPhone side. So, Yeah, well, and that's something I've seen for a while now. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, most Android apps are ad-supported and the idea being you get more distribution so it kind of evens out. I know the Angry Birds guys were saying they, while Angry Birds is free on Android, mm-hmm. they're making as much money from advertising, but obviously oh, it's the Android market. Android store becomes more busy um, yeah. that's the problem yeah. and, then, and then the whole notion of app discovery becomes mm. really difficult and then oh, it, is. You know, it is absolutely and um, I, guess, I guess that's an interesting comment on the different types of uh, customers or ecosystem between those different apps I was having a discussion with one of the guys in the office today and he's debating whether to get a, an Android tablet or an iPad tablet and mm. uh, hi David if you're listening and uh, my advice was in fact just to wait for the iPad 3 which I reckon is coming out in the next month or so yeah. Well, I mean, the Amazon Amazon might be coming out with an ice cream sandwich, you know, tablet kind of thing, um, which they're claiming is going to be a lot less expensive than an iPad. They're looking at the sort mm. of you know two nine nine price point, or maybe even one nine nine. Nice. That could that could so, completely shift things. I mean, we've seen how uh, with HP's touchpad going out of business and then flogging them off for ninety nine dollars. That's that's they've gone like absolute hotcakes. In fact, they're doing another manufacturing run. Get that? Well, uh, yeah, I think, suspect that's because they probably had manufacturing. You know, they had they had obligations. Bookings, I yeah. guess. Well, okay, um, they certainly certainly sell it. Yeah, but you, I mean, you can sell it. It's the price point, and then you know, it's a poor man's tablet. I mean, I've uh, you know, you can buy resistive touchscreen tablets. Mm-hmm. that look a bit like an iPad running some version of Android for under $100. Wow. Um, but they're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's um, the thing, right? Interesting. Yeah, uh, so I want to... Uh, lucky if you can boot them. So um, on the gaming front, though, more seriously, I guess I, the only thing I've... I actually have been playing a bit of... Uh, one of Zynga's offerings called Words with Friends, which is like Scrabble. Words in fact, it's friend. remarkably okay. like Scrabble. <laughs> right, um, but it's not Scrabble. But, but it's not Scrabble, uh-huh. um, which is quite cool. Um, I'm trying to uh, stretch the brain, uh-huh. um, which is quite interesting. And we've got an article from uh, OnLive, who are the uh, streaming gaming company. 
Were, and this is, I think this is actually a very clever idea. They're actually streaming games and allowing people to play demos of games in the reviews of the game. So you've got a review yeah. on a website and you can sit there and go, hmm, that sounds interesting. And you can play a demo there and then. That's that's actually pretty neat. Yeah, and I, I had a quick go on this. Um, yep, how'd it go? With, uh, well, I think the, the impressive stuff that Gaikai does is it checks to see, first of all, before you can do it, uh-huh. it does a bit of browser detection and speed ranging to see how you know, see whether you can actually run it before it offers it to you yeah um, but you get a, yeah basically a 30 second go on the game um, I was I played it on my PowerBook um, or MacBook Pro I should say mm-hmm. and um, it basically launched in a Java window downloaded a, the game and it was okay there was no sound mm. um, and it wouldn't go full res so I think there's still a few Okay. Issues there. But, you know, I, I, I was, I guess, playing this game. Um, Did it give you enough like, enough idea to sort of say, okay, that game looks interesting. I'll give you, I'll buy it or not buy it. But, but at least enough to, for you to make a decision about the game? Uh, probably, had I played it for more than two minutes. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, yeah, you get to obviously play the game. But I, I think there's another challenge here. In a way, it kind mm-hmm. of devalues, it devalues the game. Because then you say, well, I can play this for free for 30 minutes. Hmm. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure um, but then maybe I'm not the target audience anyway <laughs> that's so, probably uh, true James all, but all on live always conscious you know, on live is, is pretty good um, I'm still waiting to get my on live um, box back so I'd probably have another go on that but mm. again there's been rumours about you know PS is the PS4 coming the new form factors but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon so um they're doing pretty well. So we've got another little story here about, uh, again, more cre- creepy computers, right? Um, <laughs> we've got an article about Sony who believe that emotion reading games will, avail- will be available in 10 years. Now, uh, I mean, I'm always, you know, wary of these predictions that they're, they're in 10 years' time because, you know, in, in 10 years, the whole the world's going to be, well, we always say it's going to be a completely different place in 10 years' time. I don't know how different it's going to be in 10 years. Now, but according to Sony at Gamescom last week, I've never been to Gamescom, James. I don't know if you've, you've been there, but we've got Sony executives stating that their belief in merely 10 years' time, video games will have the ability to read more than just movement on the part of the player. They'll be able to judge emotions, and a key, that'll be a well, key feature of games. I thought, you know, um, remember the first ex, uh, the Kinect demos from um, uh-huh. Microsoft where they had, like, Milo, this kind of character? Yeah, that, that would was... Say, that was oh, a- you know, and he'd say, oh, you look sad. Do you want me to do something? And basically, <laughs> right. they can... Uh, obviously that was whether that was demoware or for real but sure mm. you know that's gonna that's gonna happen I think um, and 10 years is you know long enough that you're not gonna um, <laughs> you're not really gonna say he could be wrong um, exactly so yeah I think it's uh, emotion based stuff and maybe even you know this um, the thing we talked about earlier on the NeuroSky brain computer interface mm. you know it, if you're willing to wear something on you whether it's you know galvanic skin response or mm. EG or whatever, you know, why not? Um, I don't know, like, if we're looking 10 years into the future, James, what was gaming like in 2001? Um, I don't know, was it... 2001, we had the PS2, so I guess there's that difference, but I don't know if it's... It was all about resolution and yeah. and how many, you know, the graphics thing, but now the graphics yeah, thing the has graphics been kind of done cracked. now. Once you can do HD graphics, HD's, I mean, HD in many ways has pushed the envelope, but then it stops, like... And I remember my my television, my computer monitors, which I got, I think it was like 2003, like 1280 mm. by 1024. But any monitor you can buy these days has no more resolution than 1920 by 1024. 
You cannot get That's any true. more resolution mm. unless you try really, really hard. Though in some ways it's well, kind of fixed the resolution of everything. Mm. Well, I guess there's also, I mean, other games have also introduced kind of infinitely explorable worlds and, mm. um, you know, obviously self uh, you know, landscapes that can go on forever and mm-hmm. I guess the lack of not so much texture mapping but automated mm-hmm. landscape generation so you can have you could free roam I think in you know 2001 you could they were just launching stuff I think like GTA mm-hmm. um, you know other games where you, you could just go on multiple plot lines and just do your own thing mm-hmm. if you just wanted to drive around and see the city you could do it mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think looking at emotion whether they I'm not sure you'd want to know. I mean, a lot of these games are still like shooting things. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so that, that hasn't really changed it, in 10 years, has it? It's, you know, it's like the BitTorrent TV guys. It's like, well, they're saying we're just making a TV that can do BitTorrents. It's like, well, you know, Smith and Wesson can sell guns and ammo. <laughs> they don't, they're allowed to do it. What's the uh-huh. problem? Um, yeah. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't know if, if people will be, we're getting close to the sort of matrix style where you don't actually buy any hardware. You just plug your brain into the internet. Well, that's why I'm disappointed, James, with that, uh, that brain in, in computer interface you were talking about. Didn't have any plugs or anything I could, you know, slot in the back of my head or anything. I mean, that's <laughs> well, the whole point I have of being seen in the matrix, which, wasn't it? There is one which is a bit like a bed of nails, which does actually. Ah, right. That sounds so pleasant. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, um, James on to the so, other category now um, now this is your story so I'll, I'll let you take the glory here okay well um, it's just mo- mildly kind of interesting um, <laughs> thing called a, an air sketcher uh-huh. only in Japan which is basically an um, not kind of an augmented reality uh, it's like a basically it's a it's a desk a cooling desk fan not as cool as right. one of those kind of Dyson kind of air, you know, no, uh-huh. no blades, sort of loopy things, uh-huh. um, which I'm still kind of interested in, but um, I don't want to spend that much money for a fan. Uh, this fan <laughs> is probably even more expensive because yeah. it has a camera on it um, with a bit of um, kind of image recognition. And okay. basically the, the fan will randomly just move around and move the air in the room. But as soon as someone walks in, it's supposed to be able to recognize um, not the person, but if mm-hmm. the person is wearing a target, and you know these kind of um, augmented reality marker type targets, you can. Okay. It's basically right. a sh- it's a geometric shape which can, right. the computer vision can recognise fairly easily, um, and so basically mm-hmm. the fan will lock onto the shape and then follow it around, mm-hmm. or you can show you can show a, another shape which says you know turn the fan speed up or stop it. <laughs> um, so basically, it's kind of a it's a it's a clever. Uh, is it? I don't know if it's internet connected. Uh, one of the things looking at the base of this fan, it's clearly got a huge computer in there. And, <laughs> it's and got maybe quite a big, big base on it, doesn't it? Maybe, <laughs> maybe that. Maybe the fan is actually used to cool the computer inside. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's true. So uh, while it now uh, uses printed patterns, we could soon be looking at an intelligent home appliances that read faces, knowing exactly how you like the wind to blow, or perhaps cooking your <laughs> toast exactly right. <laughs> yes, like and make, make, make up your own headline. Make up your own headline for that one, coupled <laughs> with the games. And uh, there we go. Uh, I think we shouldn't really delve any further oh, into that. Dude, but, yes, uh, it's, it's all very tricky. That one. Well, James, it's been great to chat to you on the couch. Indeed, uh, and you, Ian, as ever, and and listeners, do uh, let us know. Plus one us on Google, all that kind of stuff. And look forward and, to uh, talking to you next week. Yeah, with all uh, what really happened at IBC in um, exactly the uh, the IBC showdown. What went on? Indeedy. Okie dokie. Right. Goodbye from me, James. And goodbye from me, and cheers. Bye.
This episode of On The Couch Podcast is brought to you by EmbeddedAdventures.com, your source for embedded kits and things to play with. 